0: When you punish in a timely way when you give them biblical reasoning for that punishment and for why they shouldn't do those things and when you unconditionally love them you're going to remove from the heart of that child the foolishness and teach them wisdom and teach them how to be godly.
1: Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and the president of Dayspring Bible College in Mundelein, Illinois.
0: Today on In Grace, we will be continuing in our series, Raising Great Kids, and I'm so excited to be able to open up the scriptures and tell parents this is what God has to say about raising children. Today, we're talking more about rebellion, and especially uh, there's two different types of rebellion. Some people don't realize that. There's active, we all understand active rebellion, but there's also passive rebellion. And something that I learned to do as a dad, and I learned this from my dad because he was really good at this. Here's a little secret. Watch their face. (laughs) That's how you'll be able to tell. Most kids, you can read their face. Now, they might not say it. But you can tell if they're accepting what you have to say or rebelling against what you have to say. And so uh, that's just a little tip. Uh, we're going to talk about all of these things today here on In Grace. And some of you have said, hey, Pastor, how do I get the entire Raising Great Kids series? Well, you can go to our website right now. It's under $12, a gift of $12. Uh, you can get the entire Series on CD, Raising Great Kids. And we would love for you to take advantage of that. Maybe you give it to someone that's raising kids and struggling, or you want to put it in a church library or use it for a church class or a Bible study. And uh, so that might be something you'd want to do. And then also, don't forget In Grace has a couple travel opportunities. One that many of you have always dreamed of going to Israel. Well, we've taken a lot of In Grace friends to Israel over the years, we've done uh, over 20 tours. And we're going again in February. So if you'd like to come to Israel, at least go get our brochure on our website, ingraceradio.com. Click on Travel, click on Israel, and there the brochure will be right online. You can print it out or ask us to mail you a copy. And if you don't want to go to the website, just call this number. We'll send you a copy, 1-800-78-GRACE. 1-800-78-GRACE. And you can get all the details of our upcoming tour to Israel. We have one of the most affordable trips and I think one of the best trips of anybody. And I know that's saying a lot, but I I think we can back that up. So go to InGraceRadio.com, click on travel, or call us at 1-800-78-GRACE. So let's talk about passive and active rebellion. Active rebellion is very easy to see. Some of your kids, uh, we had one child, uh, our oldest daughter, Amy. God bless you if you're in here, probably are. Uh, she, was, she was one that never could hide her, her rebellion. It was very, very upfront. We knew it. We could see it. It was easy. It was obvious. Now, Erica, God bless her, um, and they're wonderful and they're godly and we're thankful, but Erica was harder to read. She was, I would call her passive rebellious. And you say, oh Amy and Erica, no, they, they were, yeah, we all were. We all are, okay? You've got to get that rebellion out so they're making good decisions and as they come into adulthood. So how do you know if your child is rebellious, but they don't seem like it? Dad would tell us to do this. He would say, when you correct them or when you instruct them, watch their face. Now, he was really good at reading, person. He could read your face, he could read you. Um, but if you take a few moments and watch their reaction, it's hard to hide Your face really says it all. And what is passive rebellion? You're sitting down on the outside when you're standing up on the inside. That's passive rebellion. Okay? So it's harder to spot, but it's just as bad or worse because it's harder to spot. So deal with that. Make sure you deal with the rebellion of your children. If you don't, heartache is the result. Now, what's the result of Samuel's kids taking bribes? Was Saul as the king of Israel. The kings replaced God. Now, God will be the king of Israel eventually, and God has a way of working it all back out. But Eli, let's go back to Eli, who was the high priest when Samuel was not even born, and Samuel was given unto Eli's service and worked under Eli. But Eli's sons, remember we talked about them, Hophni and Phinehas, they were taking the best of the people's sacrifices The best belongs to God. They were taking the best. They were also seducing the women that were volunteering at the tabernacle. This was happening there in Shiloh where some of you have been there in Israel. Now, why were they that way? Why were they wicked? It has to be that the rebellion wasn't taken care of or dealt with when they were kids. That's my only conclusion. You say adults make their own decisions and that is true. When they're out of your house, they're gonna make their own decisions and not every decision is right and godly. And it breaks our heart and we, we cry and we pray for those adult children. But at the end of the day, my guess is Eli did not take the time to deal with their rebellion and we see the results of that. Now, it wasn't bad enough that they were doing these perverse things in the tabernacle, but when you read... The story, how their story ends, it's one of the saddest stories in the entire Bible. Let's look at 1 Samuel 4. Uh, I'll set this up. Hophni and Phinehas wanted to go out and attack the Philistines. And they wanted to use the Ark of the Covenant, the place where God's glory dwelt in the tabernacle, as kind of a good luck charm. They knew it had power. And they said, well, let's bring it out with us into this battle and it will give us success. Well, that's not going to work if your heart is wicked, if you're wrong before God. And so let's pick up the story in 1 Samuel 4. And this is so sad. This is what I don't want for you. I don't want this to happen to you. And that's why we're talking about this in parenting and raising great kids. 1 Samuel 4.10. And the Philistines fought and Israel was smitten. And they fled every man into his tent and there was a very great slaughter for there fell of Israel, listen to this, 30,000 footmen. Isn't that awful? And it gets worse. The ark of God was taken. Oh no. They've lost the ark of the covenant. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. Boy, this is tragic, but it gets worse. They lost the battle, they lost 30,000, they lost the ark, they lost the two sons of Eli. And there ran a man of Benjamin out of the army and came to Shiloh the same day. His clothes rent, that's what they would usually do if there's something really bad, you would tear your clothes in agony. With earth upon his head, you would take dirt in mourning, put that on you. And when he came, lo, Eli sat upon a seat by the wayside watching. And there in Shiloh, I just tried to imagine, where would Eli have been sitting as he was waiting for news of his sons in the battle? For his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. And when Eli heard the noise of the crying, he said, what meaneth the noise of this tumult? The man came in hastily and told Eli. Now Eli was 98 years old. And his eyes were dim and he could not see. And the man said unto Eli, I am he that came out of the army. I fled today out of the army. And he said, what is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines. And there hath been also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead and the ark of God is taken. And it came to pass when he had made mention of the ark of God that he fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck break, and he died. For he was an old man and heavy, and he had judged Israel 40 years. You see, that's so tragic, that's so terrible. It actually still gets worse than that. For Phineas had a wife, and she was great with child. She was about to give birth. And when his wife heard the news of her husband's death and her father-in-law's death, she gave birth, and she died. Before she died, she named her son Ichabod because the ark had been taken and the glory of God had departed Israel. All because... Eli didn't deal with rebellion. That's bad, right? That's the end of rebellion. We don't see it like that, but that's true. That's how God sees it. And that's why we need to make sure we don't have it in our own lives, but as parents, we need to make sure that our children aren't rebelling passively or actively. Focus on unmasking that sin in their life. Helping your children to understand how their behavior is really a reflection of their heart. So, for example, you know, people want to teach their kids manners, and I think it's great. Teach your kids to be polite, okay? But not because society demands it, but because God is a God of kindness and respect, and He wants us to be like him. And so we teach our children to be polite, not because society expects polite people. Actually, society doesn't anymore, but they used to. But that's how God is, and that's why we should be teaching our children to be respectful and polite. Or maybe you're teaching your kids how to share and how important sharing is. But you're gonna teach them that sharing is important because God wants us to put our needs before other people's needs. So we're teaching our children these things like sharing and being polite and being respectful, but we're not doing it just because it's nice to have kids that are polite and sharing and respectful. It's because that's how God is and that's how God wants us to be. So we're taking the rebellious side out of them. They don't wanna share, that's rebellion. God is a giver, so we wanna teach our children to be givers.
1: How many animals could fit on Noah's Ark? Did the flood really cover the entire Earth? If you're wrestling with the answers to these questions, look no further than InGrace's exciting video series, A Tour of Noah's Ark, where Jim Scudder walks through the amazing Ark encounter in Northern Kentucky with Bodie Hodge, the son-in-law of Answers in Genesis founder, Ken Ham. This incredible series will be yours as a thank you for a gift of any amount to InGrace. And when your gift is $35 or more, you will also receive two more video series, A Walk Through Creation with Ken Ham, and Exploring God's Oceans. Or get our entire eight-series creation bundle for only $100. Don't miss out on this exclusive opportunity to learn about a young earth and explore the beauty of God's world. Call now, 800-78-GRACE, or order on our secure website, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois,
0: 60047. Like I've said before, we need to tell our kids while we're correcting them why they're behaving. Not when they're little bitty, okay? But as they get older, especially in, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight years old, you start to teach them the why behind that. That's so important. Why is their behavior unacceptable? Why is their choice unacceptable? What are the consequences going to be if they continue to do that? Teach them that as you correct them and as you train them. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. This verse refers to the heart the heart issues that lead to sin and that lead to rebellion. And when you punish in a timely way, when you give them biblical reasoning for that punishment and for why they shouldn't do those things, and when you unconditionally love them, you're going to remove from the heart of that child the foolishness and teach them wisdom and teach them how to be godly. Now what I'd like to do is answer some of your questions So this question is, what age does spanking become inappropriate? So in other words, how old is too old? And another form of discipline should be used. You know, there was a certain age and a a certain time when I was definitely bigger and stronger than my dad, easily, you know. But I don't know, I respected him for what he did. And um, what's that age? I think I was 15. I got spanked when I was 15. So I don't know. You want an exact age, don't you? You really do, because you really buy the book people. But I want you to use discretion and use wisdom and and pray about it. Um, You know what? At at a certain age, if you take away their driver's permit, that's going to be worse than spanking them, okay? If you've been consistent with disciplining by spanking when rebellious, uh, at a certain age, I think even just knowing my dad was disappointed, that killed me. Like that, it transitions into that. And you'll just kind of know when you don't need to do it, certainly. And, um, you know, there's other ways to uh, discipline them. But I would say, for sure, up well into their teen years, uh, you certainly should and can uh, spank. Uh, Another question. If I notice my child being disrespectful, is it my place to correct them? Yes, but the question continues. If they're already married. (laughs) Mom, did you write that one (laughs) so it's actually a very good question so here's what I'd like to tell you when your kids are adults you should still carefully provide wisdom and advice be careful okay they're no longer under your authority when they're adults when are they adults for sure when they're out of your house if they're in your house and they're not married, I would say obey the rules, make sure they're paying you something to live there, whatever, whatever, whatever. But um, I mean, you're no longer their authority. They're no longer no longer the parent once they're an adult. You just pray that, but you've given them good advice. But I would definitely be willing to pull them aside and just with taste and you know be carefully do it, just tell them whatever the issue is. Okay? It's not like you're the parent anymore, and you're giving them. You know, you have to do these things. Now you're being like a counselor. You're you're being a friend, and you want to help your friend with this issue. So I would carefully still possibly speak to them about whatever the issues are. Uh, when is giving grace a good idea, and how often? Okay, boy, if it were me, I'd give the kids grace all the time, every time, all the time. But then you're not spanking them, right? So what is grace? Well. On occasion, not very often, but on occasion, dad would say, okay, you deserve this, and this is why, but I'm going to give you grace. And it was often based on how we responded, how we, uh, maybe we had lied, but we had brought it to their attention that we had lied, and they hadn't caught us in a lie, something like that. You're rewarding them for, you know, they did something wrong, but they made it right on their own before getting caught. That's a perfect time to give grace okay? Um, it's appropriate. It's good to do. When you do it, talk about God's grace. Don't do it often. Don't do it a lot, but be appropriate based on maybe, you know, they, they did something wrong, but they confessed it or whatever it was before they got caught. Um, confession after getting caught, I don't think is really confession. I think it's good for your kids to confess something whenever it was. If they said, I was wrong, it was me, um, but if they come to you and say, I did this, Uh, that's a really good time to give grace, probably, okay? And uh, this one's really good. How can we help our child with his fears? He doesn't like scary things. Uh, We don't let them watch something like that. But when he's standing somewhere and someone says boo or scares him, uh, he gets to the point of crying. So if you have a child that is very tender, what do you do? And this one's a little tough because I think our kids are too babied, too soft, okay? I do. I don't think we should be drill sergeants. I don't think we should be dictators. But I think we should push our kids a little more than we do. Now, I don't think it's a good idea to throw your kids in the pool if you've never taught them how to swim, okay? Uh, But I did throw our kids in the pool. Because I had taught them how to do it. They knew what to do, but they were so afraid. They couldn't get over that. And I think it's a good idea to carefully, without scarring them, push them a little bit. Push them, because you know they can do it. You're more encouraging them. So if you have a child that's uh, sensitive or timid or fearful, um, don't ignore that. Encourage them. Talk about David and Goliath. I mean, there's all sorts of things that you can use from Scripture to encourage them. But make them move out a little bit. Make them try things. They might not like every food you put on their plate, but you had better not let them eat macaroni and cheese every meal. Don't do that. Don't give in. Make them at least eat something on their plate, okay? Because if you don't, they're going to eat junky, terrible food. Uh, I don't think many kids just love vegetables, right? So you make them eat that, okay? And if they don't eat it, they don't eat. It's that simple. You know they'll eventually eat. The only exception I have to that rule is mushrooms. Do not force your children (laughs) to eat mushrooms. You can raise great kids. Take them. Love them. Make sure they know it. Man, they are unconditionally loved. That's the key. And just have fun with them. Cherish them every moment. Uh, Look for rebellion. Make sure you deal with that. Don't let it go. Rebellion is really serious, passive or active, but then uh, teaching them that we have to answer to God. And once they leave your house, they don't have to answer to you anymore, but they still have to answer to God. That's what parenting is. That's how you can raise great kids, is realizing, helping them realize that they will always have to answer to God. Do you know Jesus Christ as Savior? Have you received Jesus? Are you on your way to heaven? or Are you not certain if you died today that you'd go to heaven? The Bible is clear on this. The Bible says that we're sinners. We all have sin. We sin at a very young age. Our sin is, is terrible. It's awful. But our sin separates us from God who is perfect. God came and took our place. We couldn't pay for our own sin, so he did. He loves us that much, and he rose again. Jesus, the Son of God, died for our sins on the cross, poured out his blood, and rose again the third day. And the Bible clearly says if you will believe in him, if you will trust in him, you will be saved. You will not perish. You will have everlasting life. That is the message of hope of salvation for parents, for kids, for the whole world. And if you've never, by faith, put your trust in Jesus, please do it today. We are so thankful that God sent his son to die for our sins on the cross. And if you've never received him by faith, do it right now. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. But right now, I put my trust in Jesus. Not a religion, not a pastor or a priest or penance or prayer. I put my trust in the person and work of Jesus, the son of God who died for my sins on a cross and rose again. And if you will simply put your childlike faith into him and him alone, you will not perish but have everlasting life. Right now, you become a child of God. And if you have questions about that, please call us at 1-800-78-GRACE. If it's after hours, just leave a voicemail or go to our website right now at ingraceradio.com. And also, let me remind you that In Grace has a great YouTube channel, and you go to YouTube and search for In Grace, and once you find it, subscribe, get alerts, and like the videos, and more people will hear the gospel through In Grace video on YouTube. And then one last thing, let me tell you about what we're going to do tomorrow. We're going to be featuring part one of a tour of Noah's Ark with Bodhi Hodge. Bodhi is a wonderful man. He's the son-in-law of Ken Ham, the founder of Answers in Genesis. And they built this massive ark, the real size of the Ark of Noah. And he takes me on a full tour. And you're going to hear the audio of some of that tomorrow. But you need to see the whole thing. So how do you do that? Well, if you make a gift of any amount, your money will go to be used wisely and carefully so more people hear the gospel through in grace. And I'm going to thank you by sending you the full four-part video series, A Tour of Noah's Ark with Bodhi Hodge. Now, some of you can give a little bit more. So if your gift can be $35 or more, I'm going to send you not only the tour of Noah's Ark, but I'm also going to send you a tour of the Creation Museum with Ken Ham. And I'm going to send you an underwater video that is incredible. It's called Exploring God's Ocean where I make a series of dives in the Atlantic Ocean in the Keys, and we show you God's beauty underwater with a marine biologist. And so if you'd like to get all three of these, make a gift of any amount to InGrace, and your gift will be used carefully and wisely so more people can hear the gospel. Don't forget to
1: get the video series, A Tour of Noah's Ark, for your gift of any amount. When your gift is $35 or more, you will also receive two more video series: a walkthrough creation with Ken Ham, and exploring God's oceans. Or get our entire eight-series creation bundle for just $100. Call 800-78 Grace. Go to ingraceradio.com or write to us at ingrace PO Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois 60047. You can also write to us at In Grace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on In Grace Radio.